mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome to another episode of the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am your host and moderator of our panel of speakers today, and with me, as always, is Sean P. Say hi, Sean P. Are two people a panel? I think we can definitely say two people are a panel. We might even be a quorum, actually. Well, since you're the moderator, I guess I have no choice but to roll with it. That would be correct. All right. Today, we wanted to talk a little bit about the announcement of Tuesday, May 30th, and that was a new company by the name of Essential Products, Inc., was launched by a very famous name in Android, Mr. Andy Rubin. He is the founder, co-founder actually, of the operating system known as Android. And he has several very interesting products that he is launching into the world. So what uh, what all did Mr. Andy Rubin tell us about on Tuesday, Sean? So Essential actually announced two products. They announced their own version of kind of Google Home. Um, I think it's called the Essential Home, actually. That is correct. And uh, which you know, very clever name. And uh, really, we didn't, we don't know a lot about this product yet. Uh, the, the big claim to fame for this is supposedly it's less intrusive than the Google Home in that it's not always listening to you, so to speak, and mining your information. It looked pretty neat. It has like a, a you know, an actual display on top of it that could do some cool stuff. But all we've really seen so far is a, like a computer-generated mock-up. We didn't get to see an actual product. So. Uh, no pricing availability, nothing really on that. So that's kind of the, a, a TBD down the line. It looks interesting. Um, from a design standpoint, I really like it, but we just don't really know that much. But their big announcement was the Essential PH1, which is their first uh, smartphone. So what we have here is a uh, 5.71 inch phone with a resolution of 2560 by 1312, which is kind of an interesting one. Um, Kind of in line with the other OEMs this year, this is a taller display, so this is a 19-10 aspect ratio. Hmm. Not quite as tall as the G6 and the Galaxy S8, but uh, definitely not as wide as like a 16-9 normal, normal phone. Um, it has a, a 4 gig of RAM, a 3,040 milliamp hour battery, um, it's an IPS screen, uh, it has dual cameras on the back, so it kind of has a very similar setup to what we've seen Huawei do with uh, like the Mate 9, which is one camera is the full RBG sensor and then the other one is a monochrome. So they use the monochrome for uh, light information, um, contrast, that kind of thing, and then they're using the RGB obviously for color. They're 13 megapixel. Um, they are uh, 1.85 aperture, so that should be you know pretty good as far as low light's concerned. Um, Snapdragon 835, Adreno 540, uh, no SD card slot, but it comes with 128 gigabytes of uh, UFS 2.1 memory. And unlike Samsung, some of these other manufacturers have been fudging things and actually bringing out 2.0. This is indeed 2.1. And then as far as the design is concerned, I would say the other interesting parts of this are uh, they've developed a magnetic system on the back that is not completely unlike what we've seen with Moto mods, where you can kind of snap something on the back, but... I watched um, an interview with Andy Rubin, and the way they've designed this is it, it snaps in the upper right-hand corner if you're looking at the back. And the reason that they did that is he said, you know, with this form factor, as time changes and form 
phone form factors may change and you have different screen sizes or whatnot. This doesn't lock them into just one form factor. Right. So, you know, the, we've kind of said moto mods are cool. It's the best interpretation of this modular, but the downside is you basically have to keep the same size phone and the same design aesthetics. Well, this is kind of a way where since it just snaps in the corner, it can be on the corner of any design really and it would probably work. So that's kind of neat. And uh, what we've seen so far, they only have one accessory, but it's kind of neat. It's a 360 camera. And I watched a demo of him using it. Again, it's, you know, pops right on the back. And so once you do that, the phone powers the module. And as soon as you pop it on, the phone knows that it's on and it automatically switches to video mode. And it's a full 360 view of things. And it was seamless uh, when he popped it on, which you would expect from a tech demo, but nonetheless, pretty neat. Um, and then the other kind of big claim to fame for, for this phone, I would say that kind of differentiates it from other things is the build materials involved. Um, and those are uh, titanium in the frame, which no one's really done yet. Titanium, I looked it up on the kind of Mohs hardness scales at nine. So they're saying this is so tough, it, it won't scratch. They showed demos of it dropping on concrete and it didn't even scratch or bend, unlike aluminum. And then the back of the phone is ceramic. So again, something very much uh, harder than your typical uh, aluminum and uh, glass backs we have on phones now. Um, so, you know, it's this very premium build. Um, and then, you know, this phone, as far as the bezel's concerned, has even less bezel than like a Galaxy S8. They didn't actually quote a percentage. Uh, I know the Galaxy S8 is like 83%. This is definitely higher than that. Um, actually, scratch that. I'm reading this is 84.9%. Oh my God, only 84.9%. So, um, you know, very small bezel on the bottom. And then at the top, it has no bezel, but it does have what people are affectionately calling, I think, a widow's peak. Um, I was going to go with cul-de-sac. Yeah, you go with cul-de-sac, where they put the front-facing camera at the top in the middle. Um, and the reason they did this, they say, is because, you know, the Mi Mix, which also has a similar design, they put the, the camera at the bottom. But, you know, the designers of this phone said, well, then you have a camera that's basically looking up your nostrils when you have it from the bottom. It doesn't make for a good user experience. Probably not. And their other point is, you know, in the top middle section of the phone, in your kind of status and notification bar, generally that space is unused. So they're saying, hey, this is something that's really not going to impact you in day-to-day -day use because you don't typically have something there. Um, as you guys have probably noticed, I'm pretty OCD about design elements. I think Sean would definitely attest to this. Uh, yeah. But I actually don't mind this. I think it looks kind of cool. Uh, it comes in four colors. It's got the kind of uh, gloss white, gloss black, and then it has like a grayish color. And then it has kind of like, a, there's a, what would you say, green and copper variant, which that sounds ugly, but it's actually kind of neat looking. Yeah, and green and copper basically kind of encapsulates it perfectly. Um, I forget what they're actually calling it, but... Uh, ocean depth. Yes, that's right. Uh, how could I forget the depths of the ocean? Uh, it is very unique and actually rather striking, much more so than uh, a standard black or white or even space gray, might you say, that you'd get as a snap color. So uh, again, maybe a niche color, but also, I mean, we're also talking about premium materials. We're talking about a premium price. It's set to debut at $699, so maybe you want a phone that stands out with a funky color at that price point. Don't know. Yeah, and so look, you know, here's kind of my feeling on this phone. I really, really like the phone, actually. Um, Andy Rubin's big thing is, hey, the phone's yours. It's going to have no bloatware on it. Uh, it has no logos anywhere on it. I actually think the design's pretty striking and unique looking. I think in a world of kind of ubiquitous smartphone design, it does stand out. Uh, the the 
cul-de-sac at the top may drive some people nuts, but as I said, for, for me, it actually looks okay. Um, but as Sean alluded to, here's kind of the challenges as I see them for this phone. Um, one, it's $699. Oh. So it's a premium design. It has all the specs that you would want from a premium phone, but it definitely carries that price tag. Right now, that 360 camera you can get for an additional $50. I think the retail on that thing is actually $150, so there's a discount right now. Um, and you know the other thing is it's missing some features. So what is it missing as far as premium phones are concerned? Well, it's missing any kind of dust and waterproofing as far as we can tell. No IP rating of any kind. Yeah, they, well, at least unannounced. I don't know if they're going to throw that IP57 nonsense at it or 54, 53. 53, yeah, which is basically like, hey, if you splash some water on there, it'll probably be okay if you wipe it off real quick. Um, it's missing that. And then it is also another phone that's joining the growing trend of missing a headphone jack. And... You know, this is one of those things where we've gone back and forth on it. I think it's kind of a consumer hostile move, generally speaking. But what a lot of these guys are saying is that th- these phones are moving to a portless future. And, and this may be one of the first steps. In fact, one of the other things Andy Rubin highlighted in the demo was um, when you use a 360 camera, it is transmitting the information through... Uh, wireless um, USB 3.0. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the long-term vision for these guys is there will be no charging port. It'll eventually just be wireless charging. And then when you're transferring information from your computer or whatever else, you'll use, you know, this wireless USB. So I can see where they're, they're going with it. But I think right now it still comes off as a little bit user hostile to me. Uh, you know, a headphone jack's one of those things that just, it's useful right now. And the whole dongle thing, we've taken everyone else to task that's removed it, and I think this is no exception. Hashtag dongle life. Um, the other unique thing about this, though, that I will say is definitely in its favor as far as unlocked phones go is it works on all four carriers. So this is compatible with Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, and Sprint, and all four carriers have confirmed in some capacity that their network will indeed support it. Um, so... After hearing all of that, after looking at all of this, Sean and I got in kind of a deeper conversation about kind of unlocked phones in general. And basically it boils down to this, can an unlocked phone be successful? And I, and I kind of went back and thought about it. And I think when you look throughout history, like probably the, the unlocked phones that have been the most successful are probably the Nexus line of phones, I would say. Um, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. Maybe the Nexus 5, Nexus 6P, uh, especially the later generations where they worked on all, all the carriers. Uh, as far as other unlocked phones that you've kind of seen have been out there, I would say the OnePlus line is probably up there somewhere. That was first what first came to my mind. Yeah, you know, I thought about the OnePlus 2, especially the later Nexuses, I was thinking probably did better because they did support all four carriers, whereas the OnePlus still is limited to GSM, so you have only T-Mobile and AT&T customers That's that can true. really take advantage. That is true. Um, and, you know, you have some other phones that have supported all four carriers, like the Moto X Pure Edition from 2015. Um... And then you have some other great unlocked phones that don't, like my wife has a Huawei Mate 9 on T-Mobile, which I think is, you know, I've said before, is a first-class phone, and there was the Huawei Honor 8, which was a great deal there for a while. The thing for me is this, when you're looking at all of these phones that are unlocked and not carrier-supported, um, even the HTC U11, which now kind of falls in that category, absolutely, I don't see how you get a foothold. I, it's one of those things where, even if you were on all four carriers, if you carry a premium price tag like something like the Essential, you basically have relegated yourself to a niche status in my mind. And to their credit, they're saying that's kind of what they are. They don't have the capacity to sell 50 million smartphones like Samsung or Apple. They're, they're a low, you know, 
uh, volume manufacturer. But in general terms, if you were thinking, and, I, and I'm going to give you my list after I ask you this question, for an unlocked phone to succeed, to really start selling in some numbers, what do you think it would take in the United States? That's, I mean, the straightforward answer that I have, and I'm going to circle back to the essential phone because this kind of touches upon this topic. Um, I know you said that you like it, and in theory, I like it too, but I'm having a hard time caring about it, and the carrier lack of carrier presence is part of the reason why. So um, the first thing I want to point out to both you and our listeners, because I did not know this either because I'm dumb or just because I wasn't looking or paying attention, the model number of this device is PH1. So if you take PH and the word one, it spells phone. Did you know that? Uh, I did not catch that. I thought it was just stood for PH and then their first model, but that's actually, I like that. I did not, I can't imagine how I did not notice that until I heard somebody say it. I think I was listening to the Verge cast earlier this week and I went, wait a minute, that does spell phone. Andy Rubin's having fun with us at our own expense, I'm sure. I like it even better now. It's a <laughs> hell of an acronym. But the the biggest thing for me has got to be a marketing push. And this falls in line with uh, the two kinds of strategies that you see, right? So you have your Samsungs and your Apples of the world who are going to sell a lot of phones because they have a strong carrier presence. The carriers are incentivized to push their phones. Their uh, salespeople are going to pimp the phones in the stores. Ends of, end of story. Um, so you would need to have uh, a balance with them as well as somebody like Google who basically doesn't give a crap about making money, has a terrible supply chain, cannot supply Nexus and now Pixel phones to meet the demand to save their lives, and Google, much like Apple, is sitting on a mountain of cash. They put a ton of marketing into the phone, and they have commercials, and they have webisodes, and they have all this kind of stuff, but they still can't manage to sell as many of them as people want because they can't produce the phones. So to me, Essential lies somewhere in the middle. They don't have the capacity to produce the phones like the Samsungs and the Apples of the world, and they don't have the marketing budget, most likely, that Google does, nor do they clearly not care about making money like Google does. So they have to strike a balance between how many of these can we reasonably produce and sell, and how, many, how much effort do we want to put into putting it out there in the marketplace. And with the lack of carrier presence, I mean, what do we, what do we estimate the number of phones, what do we estimate the number of Americans is that buys phones solely based on what they walk into a carrier store and buy? It's got to be high, right? I think you probably have to guess like greater than 95% of the people that buy phones. Yeah, I'm going to say, I was going to say something like 80, 85%. So somewhere in the upper <clears throat> echelon or somewhere in the upper sales numbers, those things are going to happen. So if the casual person is not going to buy this phone because it's not going to be in a store, then is this the kind of phone that tech geeks like yourself and myself might purchase? And that's where I circle back to the point of, I really have a hard time caring about this phone. It's got stock Android. It's got base storage. It's got uh, what I saw a review of today is could be a shaky camera. There's little to no information about the IPS LCD display. And quite honestly, I can probably buy this exact same phone from OnePlus, but better and cheaper. So who is this phone actually for? And I'll tell you what I like about it. Here's my counterpoint to this. It's a phone that I think if you had this phone, you'd never see almost anyone else with it. And there is something to be said for, smartphones are ubiquitous now. They're kind of a boutique item. And the reason we like the Galaxy S8 is because it has a unique design. I mean, really, 
the HTC U11, when I'm reading the reviews, outperforms the Galaxy S8 as far as speed and some other things. So why do consumers love it? Well, it has a variety of features and you know of all kinds, so it's kind of jack of all trades. But even more so than that, if you go and you look at it, you go, this phone looks really cool. That's a big deal. I mean, you know, in the candy candy bar form factor, we've seen kind of everything, right? Pretty much. This phone's kind of unique. If I saw someone using it, I'd be like, wow, that looks really kind of different. And I think the other thing here is you do have the super premium materials, kind of the, you know, the, the more durable. I like the look. I think it's a neat looking phone and it's, it's unique. Um, but to your point, yes, I agree. Like this is never going to be a volume seller. So again, I'm going to pose the question for you. For an unlocked phone, what do you think it would take to actually break through and become a volume seller in the United States? And then I do have a list, so I'm not just hanging out to dry. One, it's got to be reasonably priced. Two, it's got to have enough of what good features people would actually want. And by that, I don't mean just like the spec war thing. I mean, like, it's got to have a good camera. It's got to have a good screen. It's got to have a good battery life. And then you throw in the water resistant, water and dust resistance ratings at the end. I think if you made, and again, I mean, really for me, well, I guess one, the one plus five, at least as far as we know, is going to have some kind of water and dust rating, right? So like the room probably, probably will be at least, you know, it'll survive a good morning due maybe above and beyond that. We don't know yet, but I I think that one plus really has kind of the, the, the model for this, but they have zero marketing budget. So you will never see an ad on TV for one plus. I mean, I, I think it would have to be sub 500. It would have to be quality in the areas that people care about the most, screen, camera, and battery life, um, and then some kind of water and dust resistance. And then, you know, stockish Android maybe, I guess, so that people can could know what it was from phone to phone. That would probably be on my list. Yeah, and I think I basically draw the same conclusion. So here's the conclusion I've come to, basically. One, if you can't finance it, and you can't if it's not on a carrier, I think your price point has to be about $400. And the reason I say that is because, you know, when people are shelling out money for these things, it's like, I think when you're making payments on an $850 phone or whatever the hell, uh, you do notice that. But for 400 bucks, if you can find a phone that has like 95% of the capability, you might take a long, hard look. So I think that's number one. I think two, it has to support all four carriers. Absolutely. And, and most of the unlocked phones historically have been GSM only, but we are starting to see more. I expect the OnePlus 5 will probably still be GSM only. I haven't seen anything to say at all that it supports CDMA, so I think yeah. that's a reasonable assumption. And I think that definitely limits it because as long as you don't cover Verizon in the United States, you're missing the biggest carrier. So, <laughs> so kind of hard to know, sell any phones if you're not selling them on the largest wireless carrier in the nation. I think to your point, you need some kind of clever marketing campaign, even if it's some kind of like you know guerrilla marketing thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know what that looks like, but you need that. And I do think you need a presence in at least some of the big box stores like Best Buy. Mm. Um, because I think if you have all of those things, if you're, you know, if the OnePlus 5 came out and it was, let's say even 400 to 450, right? Well, we know pretty assuredly it's going to have dual cameras and the, ca- the camera on the 3T wasn't bad. So you're talking like yeah. pretty good capability. Um, we know it's going to have a decent battery. It has stock Android and a very fast ROM. Uh, if it has water resistance, that's an added bonus. They don't have SD card slots. I don't know if that's a must have, especially if you have 64 gig of base yeah, memory. Yeah, 128 gig option. Yeah, but you need to have that memory. But you know, if you could do all those things, support all four carriers and get some kind of presence, I think you can actually you know, start to follow that unlocked model and, and make some headway. But man, there's a lot of hurdles to doing that. And I think we've seen this. This is why Huawei, which is the third largest you know, smartphone manufacturer in the world, 
still in the United States has trouble getting any kind of market share. And and they've kind of tried this, right? Because you had the Honor 8, which was a, a really low-priced, very decent phone for what it is. You can still pick it up today very reasonably, but it didn't sell well. No. Uh, and then, you know, the Mate 9, I think, sold better, and it was a little more premium smartphone. As I said, my wife loves her. It's been a fantastic phone, but how many people know it exists? And it's it's also GSM only, right? It's also GSM only, so yeah. that's another, yeah, another issue. So... You know, I really actually do hope we see Google really has tried to push this unlock smartphone thing. There's a lot to be said for this for this model, but then at the end of the day, even Google had to abandon it because they couldn't make any headway with the Nexus line. It really it took carrier support with the Pixel, even though it was limited to Verizon, to really start pushing things. So it's an interesting thing, and, and you know, I hear what you're saying about the essential phone. I still like it. I don't think that it's going to be any kind of huge commercial success. Don't get me wrong. I like what Andy Rubin's doing. I like that they're trying something different. I don't think this phone will be a home run. As you said, the, the I believe it was the CEO, president of Essential today, was mm. putting some pictures online, yeah. sample pictures from the Essential phone, and as soon as he put them on Twitter, people started lighting him up because the pictures were not good. It was a skyline photo at like you know, Dusk, twilight, yeah. which is very hard for a smartphone camera. And the noise was unreal and it looked really awful. Yeah. It looked honestly like the pictures that I used to regularly get from my galaxy Nexus, which is an Android phone of five years ago. And, and look, it's a definite misstep. And you're going to have these things. I tend to think it's probably, you know, software that's not finished. And when you look at the hardware, the hardware is very, very capable. So I feel like there probably is a lot of, it, it'll be okay. I think. But yeah, I agree with you. It's not a huge hit. I don't know exactly who it's for, to your point, too. I think it's for really like Android enthusiasts who want something different. It is going to have an unlockable bootloader, and it'll probably be supported. But I think it's too expensive to take over the mantle that kind of the OnePlus has established. You have the Nexus line, which was the affordable kind of tinkerer's phone. We discussed this last time. The, Next, the OnePlus has kind of taken that mantle. This is too expensive to become that. I still like it. It's so basically, it's a rich Android hobbyist's phone, of which there are more than one, for sure. But I guess my, my ultimate question with this is, if you know the common man is not going to buy it, and it's too, because it's too high-priced, and most of the people that are going to pay that kind of money are probably going to opt for something that has the top-of-the-line specs and everything, which would be the Samsung kind of devices, then... So if it's kind of stuck in the middle, then why make it? Like, what is his purpose? What is Andy Rubin's purpose behind releasing this phone? Why make? Why get venture capitalists to throw $300 million your way to make a phone as a hobby experiment? Well, I mean, this is their first shot, right? So it's clear that they're, wanting, they're trying to build this company. And he did lay out his reasons for making the phone, which is he believes that phones now are not consumer friendly. Uh, they're kind of geared towards the OEM who makes it. And then the carrier also has a lot of say over what's on it and how, what it does. So he built a consumer friendly phone that doesn't have a headphone jack. And this is the ultimate irony. And a lot of people are pointing that out. And there's something to be said for that, but I think he's trying to do something forward facing and look, is this, is this essential phone one that you have to have? Obviously not. Do I think it's cool that they're trying something different? Do I think it's amazing that they kind of produce something that's unique looking in 2017 for a smartphone? Absolutely. And I have a hunch that the performance will probably be fairly excellent. And I actually do think his design for this kind of modular accessories is better than anything else in a lot of ways. Mm. But again, who's supporting it? Who's building accessories right now? There's one, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of headwinds against what he's doing, but 
I think it's cool. I like that he's taking a risk, and I can't wait to see the next one because I think it's really going to be an interesting device. And as a as a a segue, I guess maybe to wrap things up, it is interesting that a guy who uh, created or co-created Android was the first one to say, "Hey." I know for a fact that there is nothing in the center of this notification bar, so I'm totally okay with putting this cul-de-sac camera in the middle of it, even though it'll drive people to OCD crazy. But it is that kind of innovative, forward-thinking thought process that does help drive the space forward. And hopefully, again, if nothing more than maybe being a proof of concept, it's kind of unabashedly blocky in its squareness in an in an era where phones have rounded curved corners and you know curved edges and smooth shiny metal backs and things of that nature it does look really cool i'll give him that and where it goes from here i think is probably uh, is anybody's guess. So yeah, we'll look, they're not going to be the next Samsung or Apple. I, I, I'm, I have no pretense of that, but <laughs> as far as companies that are making something interesting, is this the most interesting phone you've seen this year as far as being something different and unique? Uh, I would certainly put it up there. Absolutely. Like the, the, the futuristic design of the galaxy S eight, I think probably captures my attention more just because of its insanely small bezels. Uh, and how amazingly they smashed a giant screen into a tiny form factor. But this probably would be number two for sure. And if I saw one, I think I would be, wow, that's really cool. Can I take a look? So that, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else about the Essential phone that we need to cover before we wrap it up? No, I really. I guess the only other thing is I actually tweeted at Essential to see if there was going to be anywhere where you could check it out. I was hoping they might do a pop-up event or something. I really hope someday I get to see one in the wild. Like I just don't have the scratch to throw 750 at it for my curiosity. Um, maybe someday when we're making millions of dollars off of this pod. But you know, until then, it's kind of a bummer because I would love to get my hands on one uh, to check it out. It's unique, and I'm kind of... I wonder if I ever will get the opportunity, and that kind of makes me sad. Yeah, I agree. I I would definitely love to see one. I don't think I know anybody that will ever own one. So uh, here's looking at you, Best Buy. Go and get the Essential phone, and uh, because it is essential that we take a look at it in person. Good luck, Andy Rubin. You know, win, lose, or draw, I think you did something really unique and interesting, and that's good enough for me. I agree. Uh, that wraps it up for this episode. As a reminder, you can find all of our musings at silicontheory.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Silicon Theory. And you can hit our inbox at silicontheory at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. We'll talk tech soon. Talk to you soon.